The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air across Kentucky with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is your chance to get the latest news and views on your cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. And you can interact with Tom by tweeting at Leach Report or by emailing leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call the drinksword.com hotline, 877-904-1080. Now, here's Tom Leach. Dick Aberlin for the voice of the Wildcats, who as we speak is winging his way to New York City, where tonight he and Mike Pratt, of course, will be calling the Kentucky-Duke game, which basically is the official start of the college basketball season. They start all over the country, of course, but this is the high-profile matchup in all of men's college basketball. So Tom and Mike will have to call for you on most of these same radio stations. Coming to you this morning from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio, which doubles as my garage this morning. But, uh, you know, that's the way we've been doing things. And uh, we hope you enjoy our show today with Larry Vaught and Mike DeCourcy. We'll talk lots of Kentucky football and basketball. We'll start with Wildcat News of the Day, as always, presented by Giuseppe's. Check out their new climate-controlled patio and the drive through window for orders to go. And I can tell you, that is one fantastic restaurant. So you know about the Wildcats and Duke. You know the fact that Kentucky beat Duke in 1978, 94-88, to claim the NCAA championship. Uh, you know what happened in 1992. We won't discuss that uh, at this moment. It's just it's the wound is still too fresh, isn't it, even though it was 1992. But we'll remind you that in 1998, Kentucky beat Duke 86-84 to in the NCAA South Regional Final. Some of you were there down in St. Petersburg, and then the Cats, of course, with Tubby Smith, moved on to San Antonio and won the national championship. Not enough people remember that game, and I know how painful uh, the other game was, but, you know, you, you got some measure of revenge. You gave them some comeuppance in 1998 and came from 17 down to do it so when you remember one, wrap your arms around the other, and you will feel much, much better. Uh, of late, Duke has won four out of five against the Cats, eight of the last ten. The last time Kentucky beat Duke was 2015 in the Champions Classic. You might recall Tyler Eulis, 18 points. Jamal Murray had 16 points. Tonight, I would make Duke the favorite, but not by a whole lot. And it's just based on some of the defensive problems the Wildcats have had in their two exhibition matchups. They had a hard time guarding the post. They had a hard time in another game guarding the three-point arc. Got to do both tonight because Duke can score from either area. So we'll talk more about that with Larry and Mike DeCourcy. UK women's basketball team tips things off tonight. The Wildcats are ranked 13th in the country in the preseason poll. They play host to Presbyterian, Presbyterian College at 7 p.m., and you can hear that game on some of these same stations. So plenty of time to listen to the women's game, and then, of course, just leave your radio right where it is and tune in the men's game. And if you want to go, single-game tickets are $10 for uh, all ages. Go to UKAthletics.com to find out more about tickets and uh, where they are and where you can get them. One other note on the men's team, uh, three Wildcats have been named to the Naismith Trophy Player of the Year watch list. Keon Brooks, Kellen Grady, and Ty Ty Washington. That's the award that is presented each year by the Atlanta Tip-Off Club. 
and there is a there are about 50 candidates for the award. Anthony Davis is the lone Wildcat to win the Naismith Trophy in UK history, and of course he won just about everything you could possibly win at the end of his one and only season. Still, and it's going to go down in history, I believe, as the best single season in the history of NCAA men's basketball because the guy went on, he won an NCAA championship and an Olympic gold medal. I know technically that's not college basketball, but it was his season. And the the stars would have to align perfectly, of course, as they did for him, uh, to even have the opportunity to do that, much less win it. Uh, over in the, the volleyball section of the uh, Joe Craft Center, uh, they are celebrating the fact that Emma Grome, the freshman, has been named once again the SEC's co-setter of the week. This is back-to-back weeks for Emma and her third time this year, and she has uh, an SEC Freshman of the Year honor to her name, so for Freshman of the Week to her name so far this season. New career high, 63 assists in UK's match Thursday night at South Carolina. Marks the first time in her career she's had 60-plus assists in a match and the Wildcats split those two with the Gamecocks. They are still in great shape to win their fifth consecutive SEC title. Now, when we come back, Larry Vaught will join us, veteran of the U.K. beat. And I think and we and I have talked about this before. I think I'm second in tenure on the beat to Larry. I guess that's a good thing. We're back in just a few here on The Leach Report. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Welcome back to Gabriel sitting in for the voice of the Wildcats on the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Tom, of course, is on his way to New York City. Had to work the Mark Stoop Show, or got to work the Mark Stoop Show last night uh, on the UK Radio Network, and now is making his way to Madison Square Garden. Let us bring in our first guest of the morning, Larry Vaught, veteran sports writer. Been on the UK beat for, well, let's just say since the mid-70s, as I have. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Dick. How are you? I'm well, thank you so much. Um, Mark Stoops on both his radio show and his weekly news conference yesterday Despite the loss to Tennessee, bitterly disappointing, but he was in a much better mood, Larry, than he was. And you know how distraught he was after the Mississippi State game. And I'm not saying he shouldn't have been. I was actually happy for him that he was. But there was just, even though they lost, there was a little bit more to like about that Tennessee game, obviously, than there was the Mississippi State game, wasn't there? Well, yeah, because at least with the Tennessee game, you, you felt better about your offense. Yeah. After Mississippi State game, I don't think you felt too good about either side of the ball, no. really. And I think the way that at least the team fought back and didn't just kind of roll over when things didn't go its way. And, yep. he, and even the defense got a stop when you needed it to have a chance to at least win the game. So there, there, there's different things I guess you can look and build on. But, but I'm like you. I was surprised because Mark usually takes losing really, really mm-hmm. hard. And I don't know whether he's kind of putting that demeanor on because he feels like he needs to for his team to make sure they don't just kind of get down and not get back up or what. But, yeah, he was in a better mood at his Monday press conference and listening with you last night than what I maybe expected he might be. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think that he uh, he knows that you can't wallow in it. You know, you you just got to move on and do better. 
But And he's not making any excuses. He said, look, we're missing so many key people up front. And as you know, that's the heart and soul of a 3-4 defense. And then you've got some inexperience behind them, as well as some safeties who didn't play very well uh, against Tennessee. So there's no other... There's nothing else you can do, Larry, but just get back to work and, you know, try to – you can't really fix it, but just try to play better. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and they certainly have, have got to do that because, yes, it's not going to be the season. I think a lot of people, including myself, thought it might be three, four weeks ago. Sure. But still, you've got a chance to win – nine regular season games and win ten games with a bowl game. You and I have not seen a lot of those nine-win seasons during the regular season, Dick, so it's still a chance to be pretty special. I know people say, well, look at who they played. Well, it's the same people they played most of the years when they didn't win nine. Yeah, yeah, and everybody else plays a similar schedule. There's nobody out there playing. You know, unless your conference or your division happens to be a real minefield, everybody basically plays a similar kind of schedule, you know, and, and the numbers bear that out. Uh, they're going down to Vanderbilt, which, of course, every fan circles as a, a definite win. But here's the thing, Larry, and you know this. Every Vanderbilt fan circles Kentucky as a definite win, and that's why this series is so close. Yeah, and it's a, it's a tricky place to play sometimes yes. for Kentucky. We've seen Kentucky kind of throw some stinkers in there and seen Vanderbilt play way above its what we thought it was capable of in some of those games there. It's just a unique place. I thought three weeks ago that probably would be filled 70% with U.K. fans for the game. I don't know if that will still be the case or not, but if if Kentucky just plays, this is a game they should be able to win without huge difficulty, I think, Dick. But you've still got to tackle, and you can't turn the ball over on the other side. So, I mean, I don't think it's a – a gimme win, any chance, with the way that Kentucky's played the last couple of weeks. No, you're absolutely right. And we've seen Kentucky lay an egg or two against Vandy in Lexington. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's not. And in fact, the series is 47 42 and 4. And Kentucky has an advantage only because of success lately. Uh, and I remember, and you probably do too, Larry, that before a Vanderbilt game when Rich Brooks was here, uh, Rich. Got got his back up a little bit, and good for him, and said, uh, you know, everybody thinks this is an automatic win, and somebody pointed out to him that it was tied. The series was tied after about 90 years, so there's nothing guaranteed about this one. No, and there was nothing better than Rich Brooks when he got his back up. <laughs> <laughs> and he got it up against me a few times. I still remember a few times. He, But that's what you loved, loved about him yeah. and, and everything like that. But you're, you're right, but this is such a – pivotal game for Kentucky, and, and you just hope that they're going to respond the right way. And I think Mark Stoops was trying to emphasize that yesterday, that he thinks it's going to happen. Now, myself, I never thought this team would throw in the clunker that it threw in down at Mississippi State. I hope wow. they were mature enough and, and kind of pass that, even with the injuries, that you didn't have to wonder about kind of what happened to the effort and where, where were they mentally and all like that. And then last week, I mean, Brad White tried to warn us how good the the yeah. Tennessee offense was, and then they, the Kentucky defense just had some huge breakdowns. Yep. I, I was a little surprised when Mark yesterday talked about how that he thought the, the quarterbacks played pretty well because just to the untrained eye when you were watching the game, mm-hmm. that didn't quite seem true no. either with the way that Tennessee was, was gashing over some of those 
big plays, but I hope he is right about that. And then again, maybe he's trying to make sure he doesn't lose those guys either. That's a good point. All right, when we come back, we will shift seamlessly to college basketball as the Cats get ready to take on the Duke Blue Devils. We're talking with Larry Vaught on the lease report served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. From the Clark's Pump and Shop studio, Dick Gabriel and for Tom Leach. We're chatting this morning, of course, with Larry Vaught. Vaught's Views is where you find Larry. And you also find Larry covering both Kentucky football and basketball. Uh, Larry, you were on the Zoom call with John Calipari and the players, what did you think of, and he said it after the game as well last Friday night, that this is not a big game unless they win it. I, I don't know about you, I kind of like that approach. Yeah, that's something we've heard him say uh, in a lot of different times, but I think he is right because unlike football, you have so many different games that one game is important, but it doesn't just really make or break your season unless you just lay a total egg or something like yeah. that. But I do think, Dick, from just a confidence and a psyche standpoint, coming off the season that Kentucky had last year, I believe it's a bigger game for the fans than maybe it is for the players. Yeah. I think the fans really need a win. No, I fully agree with you on that. If nothing else, they need a good game as well for the Wildcats because of the way they've struggled, primarily on defense in the first couple of games. I don't think we'll see the kind of blowout that Duke enjoyed a couple of years ago. Uh, I think there's too much talent, Larry, on this Kentucky team. Well, I sure hope so, Dave, because if it gets blown out like that, I don't know if I'll watch the end of it. I may, I, may, I may give up if it turns out like that, but I don't think it will. To me, the more intriguing thing tonight is going to be seeing how John, uh, who he plays and how much yeah. he plays different guys. Because, I mean, he's got some decisions to make and a lot of guys that – want to play a lot of minutes and are probably making a case to play a lot of minutes, and yet he's not going to be able to do that. And I tried to ask him yesterday whether that seven or eight that he wants to play may change from game mm-hmm. to game. And if you remember, his answer was he hopes not because that yeah. means these guys are inconsistent. I thought it would mean he could just kind of pick and choose depending on the matchups. But apparently he wants to get to that seven or eight at some point, and then he'll ride with them. So there's three, three or four guys that have got some that are going to be left out of that if they do go with seven and eight. So I'm interested starting tonight to see how that plays out. I really liked your question because, like you, I just assumed that would give him so much latitude, so much flexibility when it came to who they were playing and how they wanted to play. So I was a little surprised by his answer. Yeah, and as we all know, sometimes John answers one thing one week, and next week he might change. <laughs> I even answer the same question. So I, I still just think it's going to be different guys playing different minutes and different games depending on what is what is going on. But, again, maybe not. Maybe he's seen what happens the other way. He wants to get down to that seven or eight and, and go from there. But he's got an awful lot of talent on that team to yeah. only play seven or eight. And if, if he does, there's going to be some guys that are pretty disappointed and really good basketball players that aren't going to be playing a lot. Tyrese Maxey had that huge breakout game uh, a couple of years ago. Do you think, first of all, might that happen uh, against a, a good Duke team? And secondly, if so, who might do it? 
Well, I think it would be Ty Ty Washington. I, I think the difference to me would, would be that two years ago, for some reason, not near as many Kentucky fans believed in Tyrese Maxey. That's yeah. what they already seem to believe in Ty Ty Washington. But I think if there's a guy that would maybe just kind of explode on the national scene tonight, it would it would probably be him more than the, either one of the other freshmen. And I think most of the other players are fairly well well known, unless unless maybe Kellen Grady would light it up for 25, and people that hadn't followed college basketball would wonder, hey, where'd this guy come from? Even though he's already scored 2,000 points at Davidson. You know what I really loved about his game the other night was he brought stability uh, when things were still, you know, they weren't going to lose that game, but things were a little frenetic. And you could just see, literally, the calmness in his game and the way he played, and it helped that he hit some shots. Did you see it that way? Yeah, and I think that's just what what he brings to you. He just is a, a guy that's just kind of that calming presence out there. He doesn't seem to ever panic. He, he's always just kind of under control, plays with great boys. Yeah. As you said, he's a terrific shooter on top of that, and he just gives you a, a lot of things that coaches really, really like. Now, what he might do, too, when he gives you all that, it may take away from what Davion Mintz is going to have a chance yeah. to give you. And and that surprised me a little bit, too, that Davion didn't, didn't play more than that. And John said it was because Kellen played so well. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I, that may be where you started formulating your question because, uh, you know, somebody's, you play the hot hand, I guess, is, uh, is, is what I was going for. And I think maybe that's what you were going for, too, with your question. Yeah, because I thought in the opening exhibition game that, that Davion gave him some help, and, and and John really bragged on him that even though yeah. he may not have had the best shooting game, but it really helped him with his defense. So, But, it, again, as we've learned, you know, John says a lot of things. That's right. Game time changes <laughs> a lot of decisions. That's right. Larry Vaught, thank you so much. Enjoy the game and enjoy the game Saturday. All right, Dick. And when we come back, Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News, Dick Gabriel in for the voice of the Wildcats on the Leach Report. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. Welcome back to the Leach Report. Dick Gabriel sitting in for the voice of the Wildcats, who is on his way to New York City to call the action as the Wildcats take on the Duke Blue Devils. And joining us uh, now to talk about this big game. But first, we need to talk a little NFL just briefly with Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News. Good morning, Mike. How are you? I am great, Dick. How are you? Congratulations. Your Steelers win a, a kind of a strange game last night, but any game you win right now is a good one, right? That's true. Uh, I, they, they play mostly strange games. Uh, they do not do the best job of closing out opponents. No. And they, they certainly showed that last evening, uh, up 26 heading into the fourth quarter, and still the game comes down to basically a buzzer shot. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, you know, I, I think they need to continue to improve. But uh, to come from where they began the season – uh, with at a one and three to be oh. to stand five and three now is is pretty impressive and and they needed to be here uh, because their schedule is after next week when they play Detroit uh, becomes very difficult. 
Yeah. And if you're a Steelers fan, you know exactly what he's talking about. But before I move on to basketball, what did you think? You had to like that opening sequence with all the old film footage of those great Steeler and Bears teams. Yeah, it was really cool. ESPN you know, has a, does a great job. They have a lot of talented people up there. Uh, they had an essay that I came in on the middle of in the pregame show, too, that was about the city of Pittsburgh and and the allure of, of, of football history to the city yeah. that was really wonderful, too. Uh, they, they do a nice job in, in, on those things. Uh, like I said, a, a ton of talented people, and when they devote their resources to something, uh, they can do extraordinary work. Yeah, they really do. By the way, Pittsburgh, a great example of a city that's bounced back after the steel industry basically went under, but it's kind of a revived. It's a cool city now. Uh, and I was visited there this past summer and had a good time. All right, let us shift you to basketball. And before we talk about tonight's game, uh, I can't wait to read the piece that you uh, tweeted out uh, about it's the game Kentucky fans love to hate. Uh, but and, it, and it's so key, as you write, in the history of Mike Krzyzewski and his career. But it was really important to the Kentucky program as well. I thought that was something interesting you pointed out. Yeah, you know, I, I, during the the, uh, the very height of the pandemic, uh, when we had the shutdown in 2020, 2020 and there was no NCAA tournament, I actually went back then. I'd always had this theory that Kentucky fans didn't appreciate that game for yeah. what it meant to their program. Yeah. And that all I heard, uh, really, literally all I heard when, when that subject came up for the Kentucky fans was about the agony of the game. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, don't you understand what this game meant to you? You went toe-to-toe with the heavyweight champion, and, and you lost on a split decision, the splittest of decisions. <laughs> and that set Kentucky basketball up for what it was for the rest of the 1990s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you don't play in that game, do you, do you get as great as you did? Maybe, maybe not. Being on that stage in the way that they were and showing what Kentucky basketball under Rick Pitino was going to be, uh, was monumental for the program, and I wrote about that in in March of 2020. So Kentucky got the first shot in in my in my uh, resurrection of this game. Uh, this time, understanding you know from the other side, uh, with with Mike Shashevsky about to uh, begin what will be uh, the uh, he hates the word last, so I'm not going to say it. Uh, yeah. He didn't, didn't want any, but so but but there's really I don't, I'm not sure his final season, uh, one more time, whatever you want to call it. Uh, this is going to be the only season we get to see Mike Shashevsky before he retires. Yeah. And so beginning that, I wanted to look back at, well, what, if, what was the impact of that game on Duke's program? And I think that it was profound. Uh, you know, Kentucky had won that game. You know, remember, Duke had made the Final Four, uh, losing to Louisville in 86. They yep. made it in 88, 89, 90, and, and lost each of those. Uh, mm-hmm. And so then, ninety-one, they come through and win it uh, as an underdog against the powerful UNLV team. What if they'd come back and lost in the Elite Eight against uh, you know a bunch of a scrappy bunch of overachievers like that Kentucky team? That would not have been great no. uh, for Kentucky and excuse me for Duke. And I think that that you know winning that game. And I went through and talked to a lot of people: Mike Bray, Jay Billis. Uh, uh, I, t- I talked to Jeff Capel, who was a recruit then, uh, and and how it impacted Duke to to get that game, go on to win the national championship, 
And for those who are listening who are Kentucky fans, which I think is nearly everybody, yeah. uh, let me say that uh, that Bobby Hurley was really complimentary of that Kentucky team and mm-hmm. said that no one played them like that uh, in that season. Uh, that that they that that was the one team that that just kept coming and wouldn't relent. And that was exactly who that Kentucky team was, and that was the spirit that lingered through them uh, for the remainder of that decade. You know what I thought was really cool about that game was that guys like you, uh, you know, the, the national guys, you know, you, you don't have any skin literally in that game in terms of emotional contact, recognize the fact that that might have been the greatest game ever played. Yeah, I, I, was, I was really blessed to be there uh, and directly behind the Kentucky bench. Uh, when when that game happened, it, it was it, it was one of the highlights of my career, if not if not the highlight of my career. Uh, really lucky because I was covering Pitt at the time, and they were in the NIT. And if they hadn't lost their, I think it would have been their second round game. Uh, they would have been in like a quarterfinal game at Purdue the night before, and I don't think I could have got to Philly. So Pitt very conveniently lost in the second round. I hopped in a car, drove over to Philly. I was in Pittsburgh at the time. Uh, and so I was able to be there, and it was—it's it, a weekend I will never forget. To to, to be that close to that game, yeah, uh, was phenomenal. Yeah, I was—I was actually home. Rob Bromley covered for us, and at the time, running the, the sports department at WKYT, and I remember thinking, "Oh my God, they're going to win this game, and we are not prepared for the Final Four." Like we always—we would, you know, make advance <laughs> just in case they made it. We didn't bother, you know. I was like, "Ah, oh, you know, it's been a nice run. They're going to lose to Duke." Like, "Oh my God, they're going to win this game!" But that's what happens. <laughs> Mike DeCourcy is my guest. When we come back, we will shift our attention to tonight's extravaganza in the Madison Square Garden. We are. <laughs> this is, of course, the Leash Report. Coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Welcome back. Dick Gabriel for the voice of the Wildcats. We're talking with Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News, TSN Mike, on Twitter. And, of course, tonight it's Kentucky and Duke Thomas on his way to New York to call the action. Uh, Mike, is there anybody or anything in particular you're going to be watching for in tonight's game, or are you just going to smile about the fact that college basketball is back? Well, there's a lot of that. Uh, it, it's always wonderful to, to be starting college basketball season. Uh, this is my 27th season with Sporting News, and and so wow. uh, I, I've I've just enjoyed the the time. And any and, and you know number 25 didn't end the way we wanted it to, and number yeah. 26 uh, didn't start the way we wanted to, and didn't you know really not much of it was ideal. But we I think it was essential that we have a season, and we did. But to come back tonight to be at the Garden uh, with it mostly, if not entirely full. Uh, to, to have actual fans back in the gyms from coast to coast is going to be spectacular. I, 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 I like I said, I, I, a lot of people complained about the absence of fans a year ago, and certainly it wasn't what we wanted, but it, it would have been much worse to have an absence of games. Uh, yeah. so, but to get back the, you know, the full experience the way it ought to be uh, really is, is a wonderful thing, and I can't wait to get it going. But what I'm, what, you know, what I'm looking for tonight here in, here in New York, 
I'm I'm fascinated to see what Mike does. Or excuse me, what uh, what Cal does yeah. uh, with the, the abundance of talent that he has. Uh, and coming off a season that was obviously poor by anyone's standards, certainly Kentucky's more than most. I, I, he's got he's got a completely different team, and he's got to find a way to uh, to play you know, the, his best players and, and and to identify his best players, and yet still keep the other players engaged because he's going to need most of them yeah. through the course of the year. Yeah, and it's to your point, uh, I was just talking to Larry Vaught about this. On the Zoom call yesterday, Larry asked John Calipari about essentially asking him if he would sort of tailor his rotation to whatever opponent they're playing as, as the needs dictate. He said he hopes not, that he kind of hopes to lock down his rotation, which, as you know, Mike, is generally eight players, which I found very surprising. Does that surprise you? Yeah, well, I, I didn't. I wouldn't expect that he would change his rotation based on opposition. A lineup I could see, but guys need to know that they're going to be playing. The, the, the problem is when you have as many guys that contribute, that could contribute as this team has, it's not easy to discern which group of players is the best suited to be out there. And I, I, usually what, what coaches will say is that the players dictate who plays, and there's a lot of truth to that. Who's playing hardest in practice? Who cares the most? Who's most in, engaged? Who's, who's really willing to do whatever job they're assigned with the most effectiveness and enthusiasm? Uh, but then once you get that group, it's also a challenge to keep the other group engaged because you might need them uh, because you don't want them to become disaffected with the program. And in today's college basketball, that's a challenge because you don't have to sit there and think, okay, if I transfer, I'm going to have to sit out a whole year. And I'm really close here. But, man, I really don't like the fact that I didn't play. But I, but now I can just go and and be immediately eligible, so maybe it's not so bad. And so that's the challenge for Cal is to make sure that you know, the younger players, perhaps, if, if, it, if it doesn't blossom for them early, that they don't start looking at the exit door. Uh, they, they, there's, there's still, you know, I think Damon Collins, uh, Damian Collins, um, and Bryce Hopkins are really talented. And I think they ha- they can have a great future at Kentucky. If that's not an immediate future, uh, then keep, you know, how do you keep them engaged to help them to understand that next year, uh, if not this, uh, is going to be important for them? Dana Jacobson had a piece on CBS this morning, uh, just a couple of hours ago, about the NIL rule and, and how it's affected college basketball. And Kentucky was the focal point. You know, came to Lexington, interviewed players, interviewed Keon and Ty Ty, and of course Calipari, but also Masai Russell, the, the, the track star, who is maybe the most, in terms of social media, the most popular athlete on campus and is doing great with NIL. Uh, and I'm wondering, a lot of people believe, Mike, that that might kind of stem the tide, stem the flow of kids who are looking to transfer and keep him in place. Uh, is that too cynical, or do you think there's some merit to that? Oh, I think there's a ton of merit to that, absolutely. Uh, it, if you've got a player whose options are go somewhere else, not sure of the coach, uh, you know how you'll get along, not right. sure what your opportunities might be in that community, uh, different things like that, uh, then, then yes, it, it could matter. Now, where it could become problematic, look, I'm a big believer that if, if you know, a year from now, say, if John is John or any coach is sitting in a living room and 
he or she can say, look, I can't promise you anything. It's not, I'm not allowed by rule, right. and I wouldn't if I were. But I can say that my point guard last year, and you're going to replace him or her, uh, my point guard got this much. Right. And so that's a, you know, that could be available to you. I, 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 but if, where, where the problem will come is if somebody starts whispering from across campus lines into a player's ear, we will get you this. Yes. Period. Yes. And that should not happen. It, no. that, that, it probably will, but it shouldn't happen because you don't need to break those rules right. to be able to convey that there are opportunities. Yeah. And, you know, and in the past, that was also the case, but it's much more tangible now. The opportunities back in the day were, you know, your degree and opportunity to play in the league or to get a good job when you're out, you know, that that's down the road. You know, people want to know what can you do for me now, and, and that's actually obviously what's happening with NIL. Just a few minutes left with Mike DeCourcy. Uh, well, let us talk about the game itself. What kind of a game do you expect? Yeah, I, I find it, uh, you know, kind of a fascinating matchup when we know so much less about teams going into the season than we used to. Uh, we, we, I've seen Kentucky in its blue-white game on the SEC Network. I saw Duke practice in person, so I probably know as much about these two teams as I do almost anyone. Uh, but I still don't know much uh, because because the, the, most everybody is new, and and so even you know I, I know Kellen Grady's game really well. I know C.J. Fredericks even better because I was an analyst on the Big Ten Network for his okay. entire career. Uh, but you don't know how a player is going to adapt to their circumstance or how they'll fit into what the what the coach does. So I'm fascinated to see them play and to see you know what they're capable of against other terrific competition. I know I saw talent when I watched Kentucky. I have no doubt. I know I saw talent. Maybe fewer players. Uh, I, I saw Cal refer to, to Duke as a deep team. They are not a deep team. They are specific, You know they they have enough guys. But they're not deep. Uh, they already had one player uh, lose some time for an injury. Uh, in, you know, when I was there uh, in early October, he, uh, uh, they were missing one player because of injury. They can't afford a lot of that. They only have about eight or nine high-level players. Uh, but they, they, they've got a kid in Paolo Bancaro, who's a freshman, who is a tremendous talent. Uh, they, 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 they have a... Uh, a terrific couple of wings if they play to the level that they've been playing in practice in Trevor Keels, Wendell Moore. Uh, my question about them is at the point guard spot. That's, that's where they're weakest. Kentucky uh, has guys who've done it. Right. Uh, Severe Wheeler has done it. Uh, they, even Mintz has done it to an extent, although not on a successful team. Uh, but Severe Wheeler has played uh, really high-level basketball. So you start with that as the foundation, and then you have a gifted player like Ty Ty Washington playing uh, either alongside of him or at times in that position. Uh, and I think that gives I think that gives Kentucky an advantage. Duke will have the best player on the floor, uh, but Kentucky will have the best point guard. And at this time of the year, I think I feel better about the team with the best point guard. Yeah, I'm with you on that, and and obviously. Uh, by the time you get to the NCAA tournament, if you've got the point guard, you're in great shape. A uh, couple minutes left with Mike DeCourcy. Oscar Shebway was apparently under the weather for about four days going into the last exhibition game, which explains why he wasn't quite as active offensively. Uh, and you've seen him before. What do you think you'll see tonight? 
Well, what I saw in the blue-white game was much different than what I'd seen from his time at West Virginia. Uh, he was pretty stationary, not not going up and down. I mean, yeah. he, he gets up off the floor quick. Oh, yeah. uh, but uh, in terms of movement around the lane and being a threat to more than just uh, the player coming into him, uh, I think he, he was really impressive. He's, he's done a lot of work on his footwork, his, uh, his, his quickness. Uh, he needs to do that to be a professional, and I think that Kentucky's done nice work with him in the 10 months since he's come over. Uh, I, I, I expect him to be a significant player uh, through the season. What he'll be like tonight obviously will depend on how he feels, uh, but he can be a game-changer around the rim. Sure, he, he's, he's absolutely a physical force in a way that very few college players are. Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News, TSN Mike on Twitter. You need to follow him and read his latest piece about how the Duke-Kentucky game in 92 transformed both programs, really. Good read by Mike, as always. Mike, thank you so much. Thanks, Dick. I always appreciate it. Enjoy the game. And we're back in just a minute here on the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. Thanks again to Larry Vaught and Mike DeCourcy for joining us today. And a reminder, of course, Mr. Tom Leach and Mike Pratt will have the action for you tonight as the Wildcats take on the Duke Blue Devils. You can listen on most of these same stations with tip-off set for around 9.30. You know how these doubleheaders are. They're very fluid. So just turn your radio on and leave it. In fact, turn it on at 6.45 because that's when pregame begins for the U.K. women's game with Presbyterian. Check your local listings for uh, where that game's going to be carried. Here in Lexington, it's going to be on 98.5 FM. But a good chance to listen to both the women and the men tonight and enjoy college basketball because this is the official season opener, and we hope you have a great time with it. My thanks to Shannon DeDude. Thanks to all of you for listening. That's going to do it. So long from the Leach Report.